This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we are rolling right along in our adventures in Acts with charges against Paul, Paul's defense before Felix, Paul kept in custody, the Jews make their case to Festus, and Paul appeals to Caesar. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. O oh, Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a Upon this, your confession, I, by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you. And in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Gracious God, you gave your son into the hands of sinful men who killed him. Forgive us when we reject your unfailing love and grant us the fullness of your salvation. Through Jesus Christ, your son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading is from Isaiah chapter 5. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it, and he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed, and briars and thorns shall grow up. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed, for righteousness, but behold, an outcry. This is the word of the Lord. Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 21st chapter. Jesus said, Hear another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country. 
When the season for fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. And the tenants took his servants and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did the same to them. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. When therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, He will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their seasons. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking about them. And although they were seeking to arrest him, they feared the crowds because they held him to be a prophet. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Jesus. Amen. You ever get the feeling that the preacher is talking about you specifically? Well, it happens. And this time it's the chief priests and Pharisees who are caught in the spotlight. A man plants a vineyard, puts a fence around it, digs a wine press and builds a tower to secure it. This isn't about a farmer going to bed, waking up to find seeds that have sprouted. It's not instant coffee or a Stouffer's microwave meal. It's a labor of love. The owner's got a lot of blood, sweat, and tears invested. The vineyard's his baby. Then the owner goes away, entrusting it to tenants who will care for it. But when he sends his representatives to collect the rent, the tenants beat one, kill another, 
and for good measure stone still another. And it happened again, beat and repeat. Finally the owner sends his son. But the tenants triple down on their wickedness saying, this is the heir, let's kill him and the vineyard will be ours. What will happen when the owner of the vineyard returns? He will miserably destroy those wicked men and will let out his vineyard unto other tenants who will render him the fruits in their seasons. Yeah, the chief priests and Pharisees knew Jesus was talking about them. They were persistent in their evil, even as they gazed upon the Lord with murderous thoughts. But why did they do it? It wasn't so much personal animosity. It was they liked to drink the vineyard's wine without having to answer to anyone, without so much of a word of thanks to the one who had prepared it. They liked the greetings in the marketplace. They liked to wear the fancy robes, to have the best seats at the banquets, not to mention easy access to the purses and wallets of the flock they were fleecing. And so it goes. The desire for pleasure, power, and prestige means trouble for those who get in our way. Our Lord told his parable about religious leaders, but others were supposed to listen in. A story like this helped them understand how the Old Testament priesthood was fading to be replaced by the apostolic ministry. Lord, to whom shall we go? Peter, James, and John. Then Timothy and Titus would be entrusted with the words of eternal life. The old altars would be replaced with something new. But what about now? Luke's gospel hints at what will be an ongoing process. There we read that the owner of the vineyard left for a long time and went into another country. A very long time. And that's us. We're living in that very long time, after our Lord ascends and before he returns. And what do we have that we have not received? We're living in a vineyard in which those who came before us did the heavy lifting. Our fathers in the faith have built the wine presses, the fences, and the towers. We are here because of the faithful witness of the martyrs, the teachings of the fathers, the heroes of the Reformation. We are heirs of Bach, of great music we did not compose. We recite creeds of those who fought for the faith before us. Our greatest church buildings are not so easily duplicated. Should we then think of the vineyard as ours by right and not a sacred trust? What happened to Israel and its leadership should be for us a cautionary tale. We are a wild vine grafted in, but for how long? The vineyard remains until the day of our Lord's return, but there's no guarantee that we shall be found working in it, at least not by any right or privilege inherent. While theological debates ever rise among us, Faithfulness so often boils down to mammon. That's what Luther was fighting against when it came to indulgences, when it came to masses for the dead. Some practice simony, 
offer miracles for a price. Some promise that offerings will lead to blessings. See now what the Lutheran churches face in Africa, where Pentecostals peddle prosperity, all the while getting rich off false hopes and dreams. But how about us? Are we immune? Of course not. There's always the temptation to run the church as if it were our own enterprise instead of God's kingdom. There's always the temptation to look at the ministry in terms of personal advancement or to think of it more as a business than a mission. Those who work in the vineyard can be expected to pay the rent, which may come and do in terms of money or reputation. Those who say the Lord created the world in six days are called ignorant and backwards. Those who take the Bible as God's word are labeled closed-minded fundamentalists. Those who say no to women's ordination are chided for being sexist. Those who teach Romans 1 all the way to the end are called homophobic. Those who speak of male and female who preach real marriage are called haters. Even today they are fined, fired, even put in, on trial as is happening now to our brother and sister in Finland. A prominent evangelical recently talks about drawing bigger circles of inclusion rather than lines of division, and in this way denies the God of creation. The Roman pontiff even now speaks of blessing same-sex unions. Perhaps they don't want to lose out on the seats of honor, the greetings of the elite, and the financial security that comes with compromise and capitulation. Perhaps they have come to think of the vineyard as their own property, rather than as a sacred trust to be cultivated according to the commands of the vineyard owner. Tempted to kill the prophets, we are called instead to listen to them once again. We are reminded that rebellion doesn't end well for self-serving servants, that the sin of the Pharisees and the high priests belongs to us, as do the temptations. But even more, we are reminded of what happened to that son. He was put to death by religious leaders, but their murderous intentions resulted in an atoning sacrifice. In, God, in God's marvelous and mysterious mercy, Abraham has sacrificed for us his Isaac. Next week's gospel brings us to the wedding feast of the risen son. And so we will continue to confess the kinds of things for which we could get in trouble, fearing the Lord, not men. And by God's grace alone, we shall find ourselves at the marriage feast, drinking from a cup that overflows, the son's blood for our forgiveness, the vineyard's wine for joy. Amen.
the whole people of God, that being nourished by the forgiveness of Christ, we may joyfully give, forgive one another. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all ministers of the church, especially those who suffer for Christ's sake, that they may boldly make known the mystery of the gospel and be ambassadors for Christ to everyone they meet. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the congregations of our synod, and through the faithful proclamation of the gospel, they would welcome many into their midst, at all times being attentive to the needs of both body and soul. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who hold positions of public responsibility in our land, that our Father in heaven would grant them courage to serve with integrity. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the sick, the infirm, and the homebound, for the lonely, the depressed, and the mentally ill, for the widowed and all orphans, for those who live with undue fear and anxiety, and all others in need, that God will grant peace and comfort, using us to bring the good news of life in Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who eat and drink Jesus' body and blood this day, they may receive forgiveness and abundant life, be strengthened in the true faith, and in this faith persevere until the end. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, For all these other things you would have us ask, Heavenly Father, we pray for the sake of Jesus Christ, your only Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them unto the Lord. Let us give thanks unto the Lord our God. It is truly meet, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you in body and soul to life everlasting. Depart in peace. And his mercy endures forever. Let us pray. We give thanks to Almighty God that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift. And we implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us through the same in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Bless we the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.